This is Scott Becker with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by a leader in the nurse anesthesia community and also a leader in healthcare in general. We're joined by Drew Riddle. Drew's carved out this fascinating career. He's a full-time professor at Texas Christian University, TCU, the Horned Frogs, um, where he teaches nurse anesthesiologists. He himself is a CRNA, but he's also involved in one of the great evidence-based healthcare initiatives, Cochrane Convenes, and he's going to talk about that as well. Drew, can you take a moment, introduce yourself, and tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Thanks so much for having me. So, um, uh, yeah, as you said, I'm a, a, a certified registered nurse anesthetist. I practice in uh, Fort Worth, Texas. I've uh, been full-time faculty for the last 10 years at the Texas Christian University School of Nurse Anesthesia, and um, it's a fascinating career. I love I love providing anesthesia. I love teaching others about the world of anesthesia. Um, but my other hat, if we want to think of it as a kind of a second role or a dual role, is uh, working with the Cochrane Collaboration. And uh, the Cochrane Collaboration, most folks are familiar with Cochrane and Cochrane Systematic Reviews. And uh, we are um, a U.S. network a group of about 23 affiliates here in the U.S. And I have the, uh, the privilege of serving as the co-chair of that group um, of, of affiliates here in the United States. So a lot of work in evidence-based practice, trusted evidence, understanding um, how we use evidence as providers or as patients or as policymakers, um, payers, all, all of that. So it's, uh, it's uh, yeah, it's been an interesting kind of career that's evolved into sort of this dual role of, of direct patient care, as well as sort of the bigger picture of evidence-based healthcare. How did you get involved yourself with Cochrane Convenes and in, in, in the Cochrane Collaboration? How did you get started with that? So um, I've been involved in evidence-based healthcare for the uh, a little over ten years, actually, in my role at TCU. We we are also a member uh, our our center here at TCU of the Joanna Briggs Institute (JBI), which is based in Adelaide in South Australia. And um, that, along with Cochrane, are, I guess, colleagues, if you will, in the evidence-based practice world. Cochrane in the U.S. was um, uh, headquartered, if you will, at one institution. And when that institution um, was unable to continue being the sort of lead of Cochrane in the U.S., the Cochrane Collaboration reached out to several of us involved in this space and said, we, we'd like to think of a different model, perhaps one of a network of multiple institutions. So. It, it was sort of organic in the sense of, you know, it's all about relationships, right? So I knew somebody who knew somebody and the phone rang and the next thing you know, we're hosting a kind of a steering committee meeting and, and ultimately it evolved into into what it is today, which is a, a, a pretty robust network. Cochrane Convenes was a, um, an, a, a, an event that occurred just a couple of weeks ago, um, specifically related to and looking at COVID and COVID end and ensuring that we had conversations with key leaders, international healthcare leaders, ministers of health and uh, policymakers, decision makers, uh, physicians and nurses and the, and the like, that really tried to uh, have a, a big think tank, if you will, about how evidence is or perhaps is not used in decision making in healthcare and, and specifically as it relates to, um, uh, to COVID and, and the, the treatment of, the eradication of, and the um, ongoing how we deal with, with outbreaks. And, and Drew, you've got a magnificent reputation as a teacher. 
what, when you talk to people today that are in healthcare, involved in healthcare, what advice would you give to somebody that wants to be a great healthcare leader? What, what are the qualities or a piece of advice you'd give to somebody to be a great healthcare leader? Uh, listen more than you talk. I think that would be that would be my my number one piece of advice is we surround ourselves hopefully with individuals that have uh, different thoughts, different ideas, different opinions. Uh, perhaps look even at the science and interpret that differently. And um, it doesn't matter what your professional background is, what your clinical training was, or your business training, or whatever that may be. Uh, listen to folks a lot more than you speak to them, uh, because otherwise, I think you're going to be seen not as a leader, but perhaps as a, the I guess a dictator or a tyrant in some regard, not barking orders at people, but rather listening to the input of others. We talk about listening more than one talks. Is that a good quality at home as well, or do I just have to do that professionally? <laughs> yeah, boy, I, I, absolutely. It's a good I, good idea at home. It, it's interesting. I've got a teenage daughter, and and it's really been it's really been eye opening, right, to sit and and listen as opposed to to telling my daughter what to do, right? Let's sit and listen to her and her experiences, and and I've learned so much more doing that than me trying to force my ideas and opinions on onto someone else. Yeah, for sure. Concept of leadership, mentoring, parenting that, that I've heard now over and over, which is you can influence, but you can't control. And, and if you're not listening as you talk about, then you, you like I, if I tell my daughter what to do, who's a little bit older than your daughter, that does not really work. <laughs> but if I discuss it with her and listen to where she's coming from, there's a better chance that I have some impact. Sure. Yeah. And, and you know, I think. Uh, Thinking about the, putting my clinical hat on for a minute, I mean, there's times when as clinicians, we have to make really um, important and uh, time-sensitive decisions, right? A patient is deteriorating rapidly, and if I don't do something, this patient is going to potentially um, suffer severe consequences. And that is a very different decision-making model than one of mentorship or healthcare leadership, where we, we're tackling a really complex multifactorial problem. But but we have some time to get it right. And listening and gathering the data to get it right is, is so important. And for those of us that are clinicians and perhaps grew up and entered into the healthcare space from the clinical route, that sometimes is a really tough transition to go from bedside clinical decision-making when a patient is deteriorating to large complex problems with a with an organization or at a system level or perhaps in my case with with a student who's who's struggling in some aspect of their of their doctoral education um, typically not an emergency and and so it's a very different kind of model of decision making some people can transition to that i think pretty easily and others really struggle with it and um and, and that's not it's certainly not unique just to clinicians uh, healthcare leaders, but but others as well. It's, I think how you how you think about tackling problems and how you make decisions um, that really really matters, and it matters to the people you're leading or that you're mentoring for sure. And when you look at this coming year, because you do wear a number of different hats, what are you most focused and excited about as you head into 2022? Um, so, from a professional standpoint, I am. I am absolutely excited about new technologies that are emerging in the healthcare space. 
in my kind of very focused world of anesthesia, the the um, growing use of artificial intelligence and and technologies that help me as a as a CRNA provide excellent care to my patients that allow me to use machine learning and, and artificial intelligence to perhaps interpret data that are otherwise not discernible by the human eye. So I think that there are going to be really interesting advances in the next year or so, and, and it might take five to 10 years to really get those into the mainstream. But I'm really excited about all that has, quite frankly, perhaps even come out of COVID. I mean, we've, we have come up with in healthcare modeling and technologies that didn't exist pre-COVID or existed, but were in, in their infancy and they were accelerated vastly. So I'm really excited from that perspective on how that in, uh, incorporates into clinical care and really perhaps can drive outcomes for our patients. So that's, uh, that's, that's one of the things I'm looking forward to. Personally, I'm really looking forward to international travel again. I cannot wait. I used to spend um, you know, good portion of my year elsewhere in the world than in the U.S. And I love the U.S., but I'm ready to reconnect with my colleagues somewhere else. And, and I'm, I'm excited that hopefully that opportunity is going to going to present itself in 2022. Drew, I could see where you must be a remarkable teacher. I could see why your reputation is so strong, because as I listen to you talk today, you have this amazing ability to talk in a way that's easy for people to follow. If I take away, you know, one leadership tip today, it's listen more than I talk. If I look at the two things you're really focused on going forward, it's the enhancement of technology into anesthesia and it's, and it's the moving back to international travel. When I mean, you have an amazing ability to, to talk straightforwardly, simply, easily, and connect well. So I could see why you do an amazing job with all the things that you do, and including being a parent to your teenage daughter. Uh, Drew, I want to thank you for joining us on the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. What a pleasure to visit with you. Thanks, Scott. I appreciate it. Have a good afternoon.